Well, good morning and welcome to State of the Church. We are here live. We are not cats as well. And we're so glad that you are watching this probably from home because, uh, yeah, you know, the, the pandemic, the, the whole mess just continues, everybody. Uh, we knew there would be something that would go kind of sideways when you, whenever you plan something big like this. Uh, and then a snowstorm comes in and does it. So we're, we're glad that you're here. Thank you for those of you who are in the room uh, as well who braved the roads to be here this morning. Uh, my name is Brent, and this is kind of a unique way to do church today. We've, uh, I, I will, I, well, I'll pass this off to John. John's going to introduce us. I have here with us today is almost our entire board. We are missing one who couldn't be here because she's on vacation. But everybody else is here, and we're excited to kind of share with you what happened in 2020 and what's ahead in 2021. John, take it away. Absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Don't forget, Brent. I, I shouldn't have. Uh, is it today? Yeah. <laughs> you're you're yeah. in trouble. I got her some coffee in the lobby. Yeah, it's, she, she's going to love it. Hey, you know, if you're a regular attender, we, we know that at this point in, in the uh, message, you're used to hearing Brent start to talk, and today's going to be a little bit different. Um, it, yes, you will get a chance to hear Brent speak today, but today um, it's going to be special because uh, he's not going to be going it alone. We're all, we're all actually going to be part of this service. So my name is John, and I'm one of seven Eastlake board members. Uh, together, the seven of us are going to be presenting our annual State of the Church address to you. The State of the Church is really um, the scorecard for how we've been doing in the last year. And some people might think back in 2020 and say, how could you do that? I mean, it's, it's, it's been tragic. But there's a lot of good things that are going on at Eastlake. And I think there's a lot of good things that are, that are coming our direction as well. Um, this morning, it's my privilege to take a few minutes and, and uh, introduce some of our board members. Uh, we'd love for you to get to know them a little bit because they're not typically up here. You may see them uh, in the room uh, or up in the lobby when you come to church at some point in time, but we thought this would be a unique opportunity for us uh, to tell, us, tell you a little bit about who we are and, and uh, you know, what we're all about. So um, we're going to start with a, a gentleman that uh, uh, I'm a little bit jealous of. Um, this is his second year on the board, but this was a big year for Ken. Uh, he started off uh, the year by retiring uh, at the end of last year. And so, uh, you know, he's living his best, best life. Uh, and, and Christy, we'll, we'll get to her in just a little while. She may uh, say something different than that, but <laughs> Ken's already posted seven rounds this year. Yeah, the golf thanks course. for cutting your Park City trip short to come be a part of State of the Church today, Ken. We really appreciate the sacrifice that you and Christy both make. <laughs> no problem. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to um, ask them to tell us a little bit about them and then ask, answer two questions, Ken, if you would, sure. um, as you wrap that up. The first one is, you know, what's been the biggest struggle you've had uh, being stuck at home during uh, COVID um, and being locked down. And then what are you looking forward to the most as we return back to church? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, John. So if, if I think about 2020 for, uh, I don't know, probably six or seven years, I had that one marked on my calendar because that was the year I was going to retire. And I had no idea what 2020 was going to bring. And so for me, one of, the, one of the things that was a struggle was that after working for Lamb Weston for 38 years, I had to walk out of the office and not have a chance to say goodbye to people in person. And it just, as I think about that, I think of all the other people that have gone through major things in their life and not been able to uh, celebrate those, like anniversaries and graduations and, and even saying goodbye to a lost one. So that, that's kind of the struggle that I had. And uh, the, the second one's real easy. So I'm a, I'm a papa, and so I can't wait at the end of each service to go pick up the grandsons after Sunday school and see the smiles on their faces. And we have the youngest one that'll be two in May. And I've, we've got a little ritual that we do at the end of every service. I pick them up from Sunday school 
And then we go over and we sit in the blue chairs, the theater chairs, and we rock back and forth and think that's pretty funny. And then we have to go outside, check out the dolphins, see what they might be wearing. And then the last thing we have to do is we have to go check out the bear and confirm again where he poops from. Oh. Good. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, what'd you come up with? Well, the youngest one hasn't been indoctrinated yet, okay. so that's coming up soon. Good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, Ken. That is awesome. We love hearing about those uh, stories about grandkids. Um, I'm a papa as well, so uh, that's something I'm going to miss. I'm going to really enjoy getting back to. Um, Ken's other half, Christy, um, I met years ago, probably uh, more than a decade ago, and she's extremely involved in our community, a lot of nonprofits. Uh, uh, she's got a, a wonderful day job. I don't know that she's completely retired yet or not, but uh, Christy, how about you? Thanks, John. No, I'm, I'm not completely retired. I do mental health education for Cadillac and for the ESDs supporting the school districts in our in our region. And so one of my struggles, uh, very first off when COVID hit, was I had to turn everything that I do into a virtual training, which was a challenge for me as I'm a little tech challenge. But I think many of you experience that, just making quick changes in, in what you do. Um, but I think the toughest thing for me was watching my parents, my elderly parents, uh, deal with um, the scare of COVID. My father has underlying health condition, and so the worry of that uh, for me was pretty overwhelming. And um, they ended up actually getting COVID and got through it okay. Uh, but the fear associated with that um, was, was pretty overwhelming. What I most look forward to, uh, like Ken, um, being back uh, in church, in, but large groups in general. We love to gather with friends and family and, and host large events. And so I am really looking forward to connecting with people on a different uh, level than we've been able to do during this time. Hugs, I'm a hugger, I miss hugging. Um, so looking forward to that. Yeah, so true. Thank you so much, Christy. And then we have Aubrey Pitzer, um, the multifaceted, multi-talented Aubrey, who if you have been around for a while, you've had an opportunity to see her on stage. She's uh, one of our folks that leads worship. Um, she's also our resident expert in all things COVID, whether she wants to be or not. Uh, so Aubrey, how about you? Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Well, um, good morning. And like John said, my name is Aubrey. I've been involved on the board at Eastlake for... I don't know actually how long it's been. It's been quite a few years. Um, and so I am a mama. I've got two girls at home in second grade and fifth grade. Um, and then my husband also is a teacher for our local school district. So, um, and as John mentioned, my career is health and safety and I do health safety and risk management for our local school district. So um, needless to say, all of that has been challenging. Um, you don't train for a pandemic in safety school. Um, and so kind of all of the things, right, we've adopted, and I know so many families and friends that I um, am close with have had the same thing, right? I'm working at home, I'm, you know, preparing meals, I'm doing nutrition services, I'm trying to get through homeschooling, and um, I'm not a teacher, <laughs> I'm not the most patient person, so that has probably been the most challenging thing for me is just trying to juggle everything um, and in the absence of community. So I think that kind of ties to what I'm most looking forward to about just some sense of normalcy and coming back to churches. Um, my band, like I miss the band here, I miss the community here, I miss some of the small groups that we've been involved in, so I'm just really thrilled to get to kind of reconnect with people. Awesome. Thank you, Aubrey. 
All right, and then we have Jim Cash, my uh, golfing buddy, uh, also a, a local businessman who brings a ton of different uh, talents to the board, but one of the things that he does for us is help us oversee our finances, and uh, so Jim, how about you? Yeah, so um, I, I keep saying I'm new to the Tri-Cities. We moved here in 2015, so it's been about six years, pretty close, five and a half. I have three kids, uh, one in college at Whitworth, a sophomore. I have Eli as a junior at Hanford, although he hasn't been in school for <laughs> about a year. And uh, then I have Nora. Um, she is in fourth grade at Tap Teal. She has been going to school. So that's, that's what we have uh, on, on that side of things. Challenges, uh, in 1999, I got married, so 20 years would have been December of 2019. We had planned a kind of a special trip in 2020. Well, that's not happening. It's probably not happening in 2021. So that was a big disappointment. I like to always look on the positive side of things. I played more golf in 2020 than I've ever played in my life. Uh, I had a string of 102 days of nine holes or more every single day. So That's an accomplishment. That is an accomplishment, my friend. I should be a much better golfer than I am. It's golf, and I still have fun doing it. So, um, yeah. And what are you looking forward to most? Well, golf, of course. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I would say actually. Um, seen sports uh, with uh, Eli, who loves, um, he's playing football this year, maybe. Uh, they got delayed again. Uh, Gabe's going to be golfing uh, in college, and so it's been a full year since I've been able to see any of those tournaments, so just getting back to that. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate that. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize uh, in church is that uh, Brent is part of our leadership team. Um, a lot of times since he's in the front of the room, people would look at him and say, well, Brent's making all the decisions and everything is going on in, in the church, but that's not necessarily true. But he does have a very big voice uh, on the board and he's part of our leadership team. So we'll let you share as well. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about a voice, but not the voice and the decision making. Any, any major decision, I mean, I'll make some minor decisions, some staffing stuff, but any major decision comes from the wisdom of the eldership team here. And so I'm um, super thankful for all of them. And uh, we meet monthly to be able to talk through these things. We have communication via Slack. And so they're always constantly challenging me and growing me and, and being like, hey, that's probably another right idea. Let's do something different. So that's good. Um, I really like that. Uh, we, had, we sat down a, uh, this last week in preparation for this meeting and kind of walked through what we wanted to present and the agenda and the way that it flowed and everything else. And Christy had a great, great thought of, you know, Typically, church business meetings are not all that exciting. That's why they do them usually on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights or Tuesday when nobody's going to show up. So to do it on a Sunday morning is unique. Um, we recognize that it was probably going to be a bunch of home teamers anyways just because of the nature of kind of how we're doing church right now. Um, but also then a challenge for us to say, let's just not get bogged down in some numbers because um, that doesn't feel hopeful, right? Um, like... Uh, I think what people are craving, I think the word you use, is, is just a sense of hope, like a light at the end of the tunnel, a, a, something coming in, is, that's different or whatever. Um, and I think that that's so true. I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to um, in this is this has been a trying season for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. I mean, for some golf, for some other things. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are really lacking uh, a sense of hope. And uh, whether it's you know, their marriage didn't survive COVID or their sobriety didn't or whatever. Um, there is a, uh, a large craving for, um, I, I think that the, the work of the church, it, it, this, this is just proven that our, our stuff never gets outsourced. We have plenty of work to do, right? We have 
ever more reasons now than ever to do be a community that is seeking out the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. And uh, so I think that with this, it was just a refining thing to be like, man, we got a lot of work to do. Let's get to work. And uh, so that, that's exciting for me to be like, this, this never gets outsourced. People are always going to be searching for uh, a sense of meaning and purpose and, and uh, love in the world. So, yeah. Good deal. And, you know, I wanted to also introduce you to Elise Jackson, who's not here tonight or this morning. Um, but Elise has been a part of the board for two years now. Um, she is an amazing mom. Um, she uh, grew up in a, a, a business-oriented uh, family and um, has a heart uh, to help people. Uh, she's probably one of the best feelers. Um, you know, it, it, she, she can always sense when I'm not uh, really up for, for the day um, and mention something to me. So she's got that talent. Um, and then my name's John. I sell cars for a living. So oftentimes you'll hear Brent make fun of car salespeople. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I can live with that because it's, made, you made it in the weekly oh, this week. I know. I saw that. I saw that. And all advertising is good advertising. I know, right? So one yeah. of the biggest challenges for me during this time is having 350 employees and going through life with them. You know, we, we've reached, we, we've met the gamut in all spectrums of issues and challenges and problems. And, and there are real issues out there um, that are still going on. And, you know, as we hope that we open things back up soon, um, I don't think that those issues are going to go away, and so that's been really tough and, and hard to deal with uh, on a personal level. Uh, I'm looking forward to the same things that you all are about coming back to church, and that's um, spending time with you, um, being around you, um, and being able to continue to help create an environment for people who don't typically like church, because um, we love that mission on our leadership team. Uh, we believe in it, and it's not always really easy to be on mission uh, when you're doing things uh, over the internet. So. Um, you know, we're, we're excited about this morning and to share with you, hopefully, you know, taking a look behind the curtain and seeing how we do things and why we do things will help you understand some things. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's a little bit about me. Good. Awesome. Yeah, our goal is to uh, explain some of the decisions that we made and how, how they were motivated by our mission and our vision. Uh, this is what's most critical to us, uh, following Jesus and creating a community for people who don't typically like church. And we think it looks like this, a community where everybody's invited, everybody's included, everybody's involved in bringing the irresistible love and disruptive nature of Jesus to the messes. So I'm going to have him leave this on the screen throughout our discussion because this is the filter by which we sit down every month and go, how did last month go? What, what are we looking forward to for the next few months? And, and uh, accountability and, and how money is spent and how people are, are utilized and all of that, it filters through that decision. So um, in, in a moment, I'm going to walk through kind of uh, like the, the infographic thing uh, that we should have. Uh, as, as was mentioned in the video, there's also going to be a time for some Q&A, both in person and online. Um, so Andrew is, uh, I think, going to put a slide on the screen with the, the words, so if you want to text the word SOTC, at State of the Church, SOTC, to 97000, right? Uh, this way you can get any, your questions can come in. It'll be quote-unquote anonymous. I mean, we'll be able to see your phone number, but I promise we won't like dig dirt and figure out who you are or anything like that. But you can submit questions on there, and at the very end, we'll have some time to kind of go through. You can either direct them towards individually, uh, in, in any sp uh, specific individual, once you kind of see where like the focus is for each one, um, or if you just ask in general and one of us will take it. As, as we go through this, I'm going to invite our board members just to remind them, um, this is not just Brent presenting. This Feel free to kind of throw in as you kind of see things fit uh, for you to be able to kind of go through that. So um, you should have been handed one of these on the way in this morning. 
um, or if you're watching this online, uh, if you just scroll down from the live piece, it's on there. It's in, if, you go, if you're watching this from the app, it's within the app. If you're watching this online, I believe if you go to uh, uh, the uh, uh, eastlaketricity.com slash SOTC, you'll see it there. Bottom line, get this information in front of you because this is going to be important. This is kind of a, a, our visual way of putting things together. And what this is, too, is another thing. Um, my daughter, uh, Jovi, our eight-year-old, she turned eight this last week, um, has been into graphic novels lately. So not comic, but they're somewhere between a comic book and a book, okay? But the graphic novel piece, she loves Dogman. And um, so she, uh, and Captain Underpants, but Dogman more <laughs> for good reasons. She wanted to make her own graphic novel book, comic book, basically, out of, um, at home. And so she's like, this is one of her crafts that she just kind of comes up with. And so she says, Dad, I want to do this. And so she started drawing it out, and she realized um, it takes a long time to draw a cat and a dog. That's her, that's her comic book. And so she said, Dad, do we have any magazines that I could cut out some pictures to kind of save my hands from getting tired from drawing? And I said, well, yeah, the only, the, we're not big magazine people. And so the only magazine, Kylie doesn't like read people or anything like that. The only magazines we had was a travel magazine that ironically I signed up for at the end of 2019 because they were doing a two-year special for five bucks, Condé Nast Traveler. And so now it's just like this monthly reminder of all the places I can't go. So that was a waste of five bucks. So I have those coming in. We have plenty of those. Um, and then we have a, a, it's called Sweetwater Catalog, which is basically um, a tech company that sends churches thick catalogs saying, if you want to upgrade your soundboard or your lighting equipment, here you go. So when she came to me and said, I want to make a comic book, I gave her these two as her options to create a comic book about dogs and cats. And she, she made it. She did it. It's very creative. Dog and cats like go to Paris. Uh, they're fighting uh, with like this over the soundboard with microphones. And um, it's super creative. And it was just a primary example of my daughter making the best, that, doing the best that she could do with the things that she had on hand, right? And what you're holding in your hands is our example of the best that we could do with the things that we had on hand in 2020. So that's what this is. So if you look on it at the very front, um, you'll see a couple of things. I think that are interesting. We met 10 times in 2020, like as quote unquote normal, right? So up until uh, March 15th was the Sunday that we had to switch over to our live stream. Uh, and then we restarted some in-person gatherings. Maybe you didn't even know this on September 6th with no kids. Not that like they're X'd out. We don't want them here. Um, we just don't have the kids' environments open for that. Uh, we had, uh, we, in the meantime, we had to switch almost immediately. We, de- we decided, well, at the beginning, it wasn't really a decision. At the beginning, it was like, this is what you have to do because nobody's going anywhere or doing anything. Um, and instead of just canceling church altogether, we, we said, well, let's figure out how to do this online live stream portion, which is a little bit different than what we were previously doing. We have always been filming our talks. And yet then um, the process of downloading the cards and editing the video, oftentimes the video wouldn't make the website until about Tuesday. Um, or Wednesday, or Friday, or something like that. So this was highly different, and we really didn't think we had the capabilities to do a stream from like this moment, and it's only delayed five seconds because um, there's no filter on my language. There's no. There's just a lot of moving pieces that are a little little difficult to be able to make this thing happen. 
And Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Andrew and his team, but he doesn't have a team. It's Andrew. Andrew figured this out um, and on the fly. I think we made the decision on Wednesday, uh, ordered the stuff on Amazon. It was here Friday. And yeah, it, the first few weeks were a bit rocky, and it's been, you know, it's, it's whatever. But uh, to be able to flip on that, I mean, churches spend thousands of dollars and take months at a time to be able to do uh, we, what we were able to do. And uh, so kudos to him and his quote-unquote team for, for making that happen. <clears throat> it was... Um, it was uh, pretty pretty amazing. We would for the whole summer, um, we would show up to an empty theater. I'd come speak to the camera and then go home. And you guys supposedly watched online, I guess. I don't know. <coughs> we had people comment that they were watching, so that's good. Um, and uh, yeah, then then we uh, also developed an app. Eric's over here filming right now for us. But uh, Eric down, figured out let's let's ma- how do we make this easier for people? How how do we do it so it's not just a browser that goes to a spot, but like it's on their phone. So how do we minimize the steps from people, somebody going, I'd like to go to church, to them actually participating in what we have to offer? And if we make them go, okay, you got to go here, you got to download this, you got to do this, that's not going to work. If we created, if there's an app that could go on people's smartphones, you could just click one button. One button, you could be participating in church. Um, we couldn't make it any easier than that. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he uh, made this. 264 of you have downloaded this app. Many of you are watching on this app right now. Um, it also has stuff that are resources throughout the week and signups, and it's just all of these things forced upon us. And this is not new. This is kind of like the lingo for the business world. Forced upon us technological upgrades that typically would have taken us years to do, and we just, because we were forced to do it, created this, and we'll keep it. Like, so many of you have been watching uh, online, and people have moved since the pandemic. We got two or three Connect cards even last week that they're like, I'm watching this in Portland, I'm watching this in Seattle, I'm watching this in Spokane. I've moved, um, I haven't found a new church because where am I going to go? Uh, I'm so thankful that this is still being offered. Please continue to do this as it kind of moves forward. Like once we reopen back up, whenever that happens, please don't like kill the live stream piece because it's, and we're not going to, like we're already there. We've already spent the money on the computer. It's done, it's, it's, it's happening. So um, that's super great and, and thankful, <clears throat> but. You know what, one of the things that I was thinking about when we transitioned <coughs> to going all online and as a leadership team, we talked about, you know, what the investment would look like and, um, you know, that not just money, because it, it did take some money to, to put this together, but also resources with employees and, and everything else. And, you know, I, I was hoping maybe one of the board members could speak to, you know, that litmus test of, you know, why did we do what we did when we did it? You know, there was a safety factor. There was the reason that somebody that typically doesn't like church probably isn't going to show up on a Sunday morning with a bunch of other people that, you know, during a COVID pandemic. So uh, does someone have a perspective on how we came to that decision? Well, I would interject. I think one of the things that was really important for us as a board as we were first kind of talking through what this was going to look like was making sure that we were creating, I mean, back to our mission, our vision, right, where everybody can be included. So regardless of what somebody's comfort level was, whether it's like when we made the decision to go in person or to go online, like how can we make this accessible for people so that we can come where we're at and meet people? And so I think the safety component of that was really important, um, kind of dialing back and then now where we're at kind of amping back up to having people here and making sure that we're continuing to have an offering for, for you know, our whole community. Mm-hmm. You, and it flew in the, 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 the face of what maybe other local churches were doing? Yeah. So let's t- talk about timeline real quick. Because once March rolled around mid-March, everybody in the tri is closed down. There wasn't a church, single church meeting, right? And even probably April, May, that was probably true. And then about May, things started to emerge where some churches were saying, hey, we feel like this is uh, either against our constitutional right or blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And there were lawsuits going around in the Supreme Court, not, not from Washington, but just in general, that it was like, we are going to do whatever it takes to reopen. And I get it. I understand. Like, 
there is a, you know, a right to worship is part of that. And like, it's really hard when you get into like infringement or rights and you're just like, oh, I know, I get that. If that's been a tension for you and you, maybe you've been frustrated that we've been kind of so safe on not being at the front of that or doing that. I'll have you know, like, that was an intentional decision. It's not that we just didn't want to meet with you. <laughs> we, we desperately wanted to. But our thought was, again, who are we doing this for, right? We're trying to create community for people who don't typically like church. And one of the things that we thought was, is somebody who's not really a church person, when they look at a church being aggressively, we're going to open, fly in the face of perhaps safety precautions and or you can't tell me what to do, does that make them more likely to like that church or less likely to, or, or does that build up their case against the church? And we felt like for a long time that built up the case against the church. And that was uh, another differentiating factor between a church going, this is us versus them. And we, we just don't want that. Like, the, for, we just don't see it that way. We just don't see an us versus them mentality. We want, we think everybody should be able to get, no, we don't, we don't, we know we're not the church that everybody's going to like. We, I get that. We, we're not trying to do that. But we're trying to think through the lens of somebody who doesn't like church. And I think, we thought at the time, and, and still continue to think, that the steps that we're taking is best suited towards that sort of person, even though it's not as convenient for us, even though we would prefer to do something different, obviously, um, that's been the, the priority that we, we've said. We're, we're going to do whatever is best. We're going to play the long game here. We're not going to play the short game. The long game is continue to build credibility in the eyes of people who are pretty much anti-church. And how do we, and the best way to do that has been to kind of play the play the way that we have, or, or at least we think so, you know, I mean, you might disagree, but that's kind of what we did, but yeah. Um, and we also said in, even in the kids areas, a question for a lot of people has been why, you know, you came back in September for in-person, but we haven't done kids, um, since then. And, and another factor for us was one, um, once the new kind of guidelines came out for churches back in about August, September, um, that kind of opened that up a little bit. We said, well, we're going to go with what is fits within the scope of the law, as, as we talked about. Um, we shut down worship since once that became, uh, we couldn't do that. Um, and kids was always kind of like this fudgy non-area that really isn't identified in the guidelines. It's kind of just like, you know, I don't know. Um, and so we said, well, I think our take is going to be we're just going to follow the school district's lead and see kind of where the school district moves, and we're not going to be at more aggressive than the school district. Um, and it helps having somebody from the school district on hand to be like, what are you guys thinking? What are you guys going with? Not that she's provided any insider information that she's not allowed to tell us, all that kind of stuff. I want to clear her bases with whoever's watching this. She's been great. Um, but that has been kind of our attitude of we'll see where the school districts go and kind of follow along uh, with that. So... Yeah. Anything else on that that needs to be addressed? No, but I do think that, you know, we, we like to create an environment for the kids that's amazing. Yeah. And in, in, in the current status of things, um, even when we do open back up, you know, per what the, the school districts are doing, that's still our goal is to create an environment that just, you know, knocks their socks off. And, yeah. and, and uh, people that don't typically like church, they love the fact that we take care of our kids that way. Yeah. And, and we intend on, on doing that as a return. Absolutely. And we want to be able to continue to provide it in a, in a level of quality that they look forward to coming to church rather than we're going to do bare minimums and they hate it while they're here. And then we just ingrain in their mind that church sucks and I don't want to go. So, um, yeah. All right. So that's basically the front side of the paper. Usually there's a report. It usually comes in a booklet. And there's pages about how our groups have been doing and what our first-time guest numbers look like. 
uh, and all, all kinds of like volunteers in serving areas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have nothing to report for you on that. So that was just a, a big goose egg, and it just there, there's so minimal. When we had ten Sundays where we could report that, but it just felt like let's not waste our time with any of that. So um, come back next year. Hopefully, we'll have a little bit more to report in those different areas. We'll have um, some comments on groups in just a moment. But um, yeah, in terms of in terms of first time guests, we understand. Um, it hasn't been quite the front door that maybe we had hoped, and um, and I think you know, if, if you found us a, a, as a first time guest through this pandemic, like kudos to you. That's that's big. I, we love you. We appreciate that you would make that happen. But um, it just, I know it's been more of a, a a different kind of experience thing for us. So, um, all right. Um, before we flip over to the backside, I want to speak to our our wear love uh, portion. Um, back in. August or September, I can't remember exactly her first day, um, we decided, we, we actually did the hiring process, I'm trying to think it was before the pandemic started that we started the right process? Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the, of, of the process. We put it out on a couple of different church staffing websites and actually brought it, had got it down, we had three individuals picked out, we had one of them come in and did an interview, we had another one that we really liked, and, and um, then uh, kind of they both fell through. I was... With the one that we brought in, I, I like the other guy a little bit more, and then he got. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> we we found ourselves back at the drawing board after about three or four months of kind of doing this. We had this big job description. We knew we wanted to hire for Aware Love. We wanted it to be its own independent organization that's associated with Eastlake, but we think that there's a real long runway for its need in the Tri Cities that goes beyond just what Eastlake can provide with it. Um, and so um, after those three fell through, I was kind of discouraged and kind of going, what are we going to do? And, and we thought, we thought, well, why don't we look at internally, is there anybody internally or in, anybody local that we could uh, like, perhaps throw this out to to see if they're interested? And obviously the, the common place to start is with any sort of nonprofit because nonprofit work is just different than for-profit work. I mean, just, the world is different. The, the way that you have to engage with donors and people, everything's just different. And so um, we started looking at that and put it out there, and somebody popped up in our, in our, on our radar um, who attends Eastlake and uh, lives actually right down the road. And we looked at Lauren Wanamaker, and I threw it out to her randomly. I think I was with Kylie, and I said, what if Lauren would do it? And she's like, that's great. Throw it out to her. See what she says. Um, and I threw it out to her. She was currently serving at the Boys and Girls Club and um, in a uh, fundraising role there and said, man, um, I'm very interested. Let's talk. We had coffee, um, just dreamed a little bit, and lo and behold, then she came on in August or September, like, again, I can't remember the exact date, as our kind of primary staff point person uh, for Eastlake leading this charge. So I'm going to invite Lauren to come up right now. If you've never met her, I mean, this is crazy because it's so weird. Like, this is a staff person that has been on staff for several months now, and many of you are like, I didn't even know who is she. In the same way, some of you guys are going to show up at church with a one-year-old that I've never met in a couple of weeks or months or whatever the case. And I'm going to be like, who did you adopt? And like, no, we went through the whole gestation period, nine months. I've never seen them. This is our version of that. Welcome, Lauren. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, it's a girl. Oh, it's right. <laughs> yeah. It is also weird being like, up here in, in the light in because light. I've been uh, a part of Eastlake but not just up here and um, I've been a part of the band and um, have sort of been a part of setup since we my husband and I started coming here so um, I've sort of been you know in the shadows or however uh, <laughs> um, but yeah I I grew up here in Richland Washington I am married um, my husband and I met at Whitworth in Spokane. 
Um, spent some time in Alaska and then have been back here since 2017. Um, found Eastlake kind of right off the bat and um, just really appreciate the mission and um, I've sort of, I grew up in church but have uh, had my own experiences uh, that were just not great. So um, finding a community that is committed to others um, who maybe have also had a bad experience of church is something that uh, meant a lot to us. And then as Brent said, I've, my professional background is in nonprofit fundraising. So um, a lot of experience uh, in what that looks like behind the scenes, what um, it takes to run a nonprofit, what it takes to fund a nonprofit, um, and got into that just because I am passionate about giving back and wanted to um, do that in kind of a formal role. Um, but this is a lot more fun. So <laughs> yeah, August, late August, I think is when I started. So it's awesome. Tell us about uh, what you're doing. I mean, obviously, we hired you thinking, oh, this pandemic's only going to be another month or so. You're going to be fine. And now it's been close to six months you've been on staff. And we, we haven't had like the opportunities to do all the things that we talked about in the hiring process. So what have you been doing in the meantime? What's your vision? What's your goal for this thing? Yes, I guess it has been six months. That's uh, weird to think about already. <laughs> Time is meaningless. Um, yeah, my vision, I think what I've been doing mostly right now, it's been sort of an opportunity to strategize and to sort of lay the foundation for what we want Where Love to be. I see the vision of Where Love as um, a network of tools and support for people in the community to give back, um, to meet the needs of our community. So a lot of what I've been doing is laying that foundation, trying to build relationships um, with nonprofits in the community, some that I've already, that I already know and some that um, our board members have connections with. So just trying to build that relationship piece and understand what their needs are and every organization's needs have been different right now um, in the way that they've responded and been affected by the pandemic. So um, that's a big part of it. The other um, piece is uh, just strategizing. Uh, I think I see where love as um, filling the gap. You know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We don't want to go out and start doing things that um, a lot of these organizations are already doing quite well. So um, trying to really just build a strategy and a foundation so that we can fill the gaps um, and kind of slowly ease back into... Um, connecting people to those needs. Um, and when I say connect people, I mean being really intentional and strategic about how we do that, meeting people um, at their current season of life and um, their availability and all of that, creating kind of a matchmaking process so that it's mutually beneficial for everybody. Um, yeah, and right now it's mostly been internal folks uh, that are familiar with Eastlake and maybe who have been attending in the past or watching online. Um, but I think the long-term vision is to be a resource for anybody in the community that's looking to give back in that way. Yeah, in the same way that we looked at the theater and said, all right, we're going to run the Uptown Theater as the Uptown Theater. And yeah, it's going to have some associated with, association with Eastlake. I don't think that that's beneficial for the Uptown to be like, that's Eastlake's place, right? 
I think that our goal would be that they think that we rent the Uptown Theater, and that's great, and that they don't need to know that we're basically the ones funding this so that there can be great art stuff in Richland area. Uh, in the same way, we thought through where level, and we go, we think everybody needs to be a part of this. What might hinder them is thinking that they're signing up for a church thing, like they've got to go through the church hoop before they can give themselves away. And so if we, sign, if we build this up as sort of an independent org, that yes, it's funded by ESA. We, we hire the staff to be able to do that. We use the base camp thing to get people, like we're going to use the resources of it to, to make that happen. Um, but we want it to be thought of, I, I would love it for people to go, I know all about where love, right? I love the idea of where love. I'm not even I'm not even that familiar with Eastlake, right? Like we'll get there or whatever, but um, I, I love that kind of independent take on it. It allows it to be its own thing, and if it's, that's going to be the case, then we needed an individual staff member to kind of dream it up and do that. And thus, Lauren's here. Um, you've been doing some. Uh, we have been able to do a couple of recovery groups and a couple of. You've been doing base camp online, that kind of thing. Tell us about what you've been like scrapping together based on again what make the best with what we have or whatever. So. Yeah, we, um, I think just as we've talked about all of us, the struggles of the pandemic, um, addiction was one, was just a need that we've seen um, come up and we have space, we, the wear love space around the corner. So we were actually able to launch two recovery groups. Um, one is just a general, um, we're calling it Uptown Recovery group, and that's for anybody that struggles with addiction of any kind. Um, that's a Tuesday night group. <clears throat> and then Wednesday nights, we have a Naranon family group, and that is just um, to support any f family members of people that struggle with addiction. So, um, and that's been going really well, I think, from those launched, uh, I think recovery group launched in December, the Naranon launched in January. Um, and they've been pretty consistently attended uh, with, you know, COVID precautions in place. But um, we were really excited to be able to, to meet that need um, and are hoping to do that, you know, outside of the pandemic and beyond. Um, so that's been really cool to see and facilitate. And then um, Base Camp is our four-week curriculum on what does it mean to wear love and how do we um, identify that and... Uh, do that in our daily life. So uh, we, I did that uh, four-week course in January. We just actually last week was our last uh, peak, is how we, we call it. There's four peaks that we that we climb as we go through the curriculum, um, and we did that on Zoom. And actually, it worked really well. <clears throat> um, I would say it's a really viable option moving forward as <clears throat> we try and accommodate people that maybe um, are not comfortable meeting in person, and as we try and be vigilant about, about the laws and things like that. So that was great. We had about eight people go through that and really engaging. It was also a really good way to just meet people and connect people that haven't been able to come in person and see each other on Sundays. So um, I'd like to offer that course quarterly. Um, so I think I'm planning to do the next one in April and probably right now I'll say via Zoom and um, you know we'll see how things go. But that was really exciting too. Part of her job description is also includes a community marketplace sort of piece of helping facilitate, not necessarily program, but facilitate our community marketplace when that relaunches. And that's still kind of very much in the, we're not able to advertise any groups of five or more at this point. So um, hopefully when that gets opened up a little bit more, you'll be uh, helping people coordinate opportunities to connect in that way. And then uh, on the worship team as well, she played for our worship night and we'll do that when we jump back in. So 
Lauren, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm excited for uh, what you're doing and uh, your vision for it. And yeah, you're yeah, it's great. been fun and it's really exciting to to be here, part of it. So thank great. you. Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> It might be interesting to ask the board, um, you know, in, in the process of making the decision to spend uh, money on an employee at a time where, you know, we saw a challenge coming, um, you know, how did, how did we come about that decision? I'll speak a little bit, John. I know that we had several discussions. Um, there's, there's been talk of, you know, this building, uh, it's, our lease is going to be coming up at some point. Uh, do we buy the building? Um, so all of this is going on. Then we get the pandemic, and we have no idea what funds are going to be coming in. And then we have this idea of um, this where love piece. And, you know, really, um, when you think about it realistically, like, is this the right time? Um, but the whole board was like, well, yeah, it's the right time. That's what our mission is. And so there wasn't really much of a hesitation when it came to that. And uh, God is good. And I think we're going in the right direction. I think too, right, we've always made the decision. We kind of pride ourselves a little bit on being a little bit scrappy, right? And so I think we've worked really hard over the last you know, couple of years to make sure that we were financially in a position so that when there was a need, whatever that was, we could move forward with that and not feel like it was going to be a big burden, um, but that we were positioned to do that. So I think that um, that's another part of it. It was just kind of the timing and the planning and being able to move when we felt like that's what what we were being called to kind of our next step. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good. All right. Let's flip to the back side of the program or the second sheet if you're reading this online. Um, my guess is uh, if you're like me, you've already read through this as we were talking about other things. So I'm not going to go through the, uh, the, the nuances of each one. But this is our, uh, our, uh, our attempt or our try to be very transparent about what happens with the finances at a church. I know that's a lot of, there's a lot of questions involving that. And uh, this can be accessed anytime, accessed anytime by c contacting any of these people. We, we uh, they look at reports every single month about where everything goes, and we're tracking it with a budget and making sure that those numbers match up. Um, I'm going to do a, like a 10,000-foot view on this uh, and then let the details kind of speak for the, where they're at. Um, we have been on an up-and-to-the-right kind of march in terms of um, income, general income for our church for the last, um, basically every year. Every, every year, is, we've never really had uh, a down year to, to speak of. Um, it's not always been like super great, but it's been something, and um, We've always, like Aubrey said, tried to be scrappy in everything that we do. Um, so we're always trying to live uh, on less than we make, not spend 110% of our income, but um, make sure that, and we're committed to having, giving a percentage of our uh, uh, money away to different organizations in the same way that we want to be generous in the same way that we preach about being generous and living off of percentage stuff. So that's been reflected. Uh, once uh, March hit and the, the, everything kind of went crazy, we were talking about, we were meeting as a board going, I wonder what this looks like and what this means. And I'm getting emails from all my pastor friends, right? Like, oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. Make sure you, uh, you know, don't build a building right now. Or can you imagine being in the middle of a capital campaign or something like that? Something crazy fundraising process. Or, you know, if you're living, if you're living off of, if you're living with no margin, right? If you're living at 98% of your income or 100% of your income, then any sort of loss in that is going to feel like, what are we going to do? How quick can we cut our expenses? Um, when you're living like we were living with, uh, with a big margin in between or a relatively decent margin, it was like, this is going to suck for sure, but we'll figure out a way to do this and we'll trim what we can. What we saw basically is about a 5% reduction from March through April, right? 
um, and in terms of in terms of giving. Um, and then what we saw is about uh, another five percent beyond that. So what what happened? Well, it ha- you know, this is the question everybody kind of came into this week and going, how's how's church giving go? Because you know, I don't talk about it. We don't talk about it from the front ever. Like you've never heard me go up and go, guys. This is, we, we need you. You know, the, 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 it's burning down. Please help us out. Uh, I know that anybody that's, again, coming back to our mission, not a church person, is waiting for that. They don't want to go to church right now because they're like, they're only going to be begging for money. I, I like never do that to you, right? We're committed to figuring out other ways to do church so that we never have to do that. Well, anyways, um, so this is, but this is, again, home team. This is us talking. So it, we, we saw about a 5 and then about a 10% decline in giving. Uh, which is uh, like, like understandable. Like everybody is tightening up, trying to figure things out. What we did see um, beyond that, and we knew we could survive that because a we were already living below that margin. Plus, we knew we could reduce expenses. So that kind of once that kind of leveled out at ten percent, we were like, okay, this is now it's May or whatever. It's fine. Uh, but what we, did, you know, uh, what also came in at that same time is a complete hundred percent loss of anything generated side income as re- related to our theater renting the theater out for different events. Um, last year, for the last two years, we've rented this thing out um, almost 40-something weekends a year for different events, fundraisers, parties, um, weddings, um, plays, uh, generating somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000 a year in kind of a side income thing to be able to supplement the rest of the church. And, and some of that goes to different upgrades to be able to make those things happen. They don't all benefit the church, and it definitely doesn't pay the mortgage. Um, but it's been a value for us to have this in the community. Well, that went to zero, all right? And so if, if, if this was operating solely as a community theater and not a church, this place would be closed. I'll have you know that, right? There would be, uh, there's no amount of PPP loans that could have kept this thing uh, alive. Um, uh, but because as a church, we've been able to kind of figure this stuff out. And uh, so when the first opening for the PPP loan came available, we were, I was hesitant. We're like, I don't know if we want to do this church thing. You know, I, I don't know if we want to let a church act like we need money from the government, that sort of thing. Um, and the, the board made the decision, which is great. This is, again, a perfect example of them going, hey, this is the right thing. We don't know how this plays out. This is a decision we made in, I think, May. So we'd seen 5%, 5%. We didn't know what kind of a losses were coming. And so we said, all right, let's apply for this. It got approved. And we got a $36,000 PPP loan from uh, whatever, SBA. Um, and that then also factored into our decision with helping with Lauren or, or how are we going to use this? Man, that was my concern. I was like, I don't know if we want to do this. But we said, what if we used it to like par- as part of a hiring motivation to make this thing sort of happen? And I was like, okay, um, that kind of makes sense for me. Um, and then what we saw was kind of it level out. Like this is kind of where we saw the new reality. So from like May through, I don't know, October, it was basically just like a flat line, which is great. That's fine. We were surviving and we were able to pay our bills and make this thing happen. And then you guys, freaking generous in November, December, which is always true for churches and nonprofits in general. Um, but what you're going to see is uh, in November, December, our income went and uh, we, actually, <laughs> we actually had a increase uh, of about two uh, percent from last year's general income through a pandemic, which is insane. That's that's crazy. I'm like refreshing this. I'm getting monthly re- reports from our accountant, and uh, and and she's saying this is where it's at. And I'm, I'm thinking this is this is uh, like an incredible blessing and a, and a and a fantastic vote of confidence of people who care about this side, this kind of community so much that they're like, even though 
we are offerings to you in terms of watching your kids, hosting small groups, doing events, even doing church like normal, like dropped off immensely. You, as a family unit, or you yourself, or you and your spouse, or whatever it was, valued this enough to continue to give to that. And for that, like, I don't know, that, that's just a huge vote of confidence that makes us and me feel just absolutely blessed. Um, and um, to, I, I never, I, I, I'm so thankful in this position because I really, the way that we're scrappy has never caused me to like live with fear or worry or um, anxiety about church finances. When I go and meet with my pastor buddies, they're always anxiety prone about this. I'm like, whatever, guys, it doesn't matter, right? And then with this, I thought maybe I'll, maybe I'll get nervous. Maybe this is the thing that causes me to like, get weekly reports that I'm like, oh my gosh, how do we do this week? What was the offering like this week? And it, and it just never turned out that way. It just feels like you always, you always give to the things in life that you care about. Dollars or votes, man. You vote for this to stay open. When you shop local at a local restaurant, you're voting for that place to stay open and survive this pandemic, right? Uh, when, when, you, when you put your money in this certain way, you're voting. This is a vote of confidence in this area. And we've been so incredibly blessed to kind of see this happen. So what, what you'll see is a, um, uh, our average uh, giving units per month dropped by 5%. Our average first-time givers dropped by 51 That includes basically just people not showing up for their first time. But what... Um, what we did see was a 15% increase in, in recurring monthly givers. We saw a lot of you watching at home going, all right, I'm not going to be there in person to be able to do the blue buckets at the top of the ramps. I need to set up an automatic recurring giving. And that is like an incredible blessing for us to be able to like have that to be something that is counted on. So thank you in general for that. What it shows then um, is, uh, like I said, a 2% increase in the, in the general fund. We dropped 44% in our non-general income, theater income. We knew that was going to take place uh, for a total revenue of 456. The difference being a we put actually into savings just a little bit over 14 grand. That does not take into account the... On the bottom, it says our 32,000 uh, PPP loan was forgiven in January, but not reflected on this report. That's incorrect information. It was, It is reflected, so scratch that out. That's how we get to, um, in our savings, checking everything uh, as a result, we have about just over 213 uh, in long-term savings and uh, checking account, which is up from about 50 from last year. 14 of that is the generosity of people. 36 of that is the PPP loan. That was forgiven that we don't owe anything to. As a result, and this is, this, is a, this is just awesome. We are able to give almost $50,000 to outreach organizations outside the walls of our church. You'll see almost all of them uh, listed there. We continue to support uh, Brittany in Haiti, uh, doing the work in Haiti. Um, she's a missionary who uh, runs a malnutrition clinic in Baide Orange near uh, Wanamath, Haiti. Um, uh, she's actually in town because she's pregnant and about to have a baby, but um, she's doing incredible work there. And then Kat Swick in Cambodia. Um, she, we continue to support her monthly as well. Um, she works uh, in a uh, uh, in fashion. She creates a clothing line that these women who come out of the sex life industry of produce, and then they sell online, and they raise money to be able to provide education, shelter, and food for these women who are coming out of this industry. She's doing amazing work too. It's just awesome to see all the different uh, organizations that. Um, needed our help this year, and we were able to kind of not have to have that phone call like, hey, sorry, Young Life, sorry, Second Harvest, it's not going to happen this year because of, and they would have totally understood. They would have totally understood because they're probably getting lots of those phone calls. 
And we didn't have to make those phone calls. We were able to just send a check and continue to support them and believe in them. In addition to that, uh, we gave out just over $2,000 to Eastlake families experiencing hardship because of COVID. You saw at the very beginning, back in like April or May, we did a thing. We sent out a, te a text survey. Hey, if you're going through something, let us know. We want to help out. If it's a utilities thing, if it's a birthday thing, a Christmas thing, uh, something like that, we, we want to, you know, do, we want to be the church in our community, especially for those who call Eastlake home. Uh, and so we've been able to handpick and do a couple of those, which has been uh, an incredible piece. Um, and uh, yeah, and then as well for the Christmas gifts, we did some of those things too. So um, that's been uh, a lot of fun. And not only that, we've also had some of those even continue to go. Um, back in April, I had a list of about 150 people that uh, call East Lake Home that I was able to call and have phone conversations with them and say, is there anything we can do to help? And then just recently, within the last month or two, we, I didn't want to do 150 phone calls again. So I split it up. We divided up. Everybody got 20, 25. I don't know what it was. So probably many of you got a phone call from uh, the board. And if you didn't, we probably don't have your phone number. So put it on a connect card today. We'll call you. Uh, but... Uh, uh, all of them are calling our people, going, checking in, just checking in. How you doing? How's everything going? How, you know, is there anything we can do to help? Is there anything uh, um, trying to be the church, not just in the community in, in Haiti and, and wherever else, but also in Richland, in Pasco, and in Kennewick, too? So that is basically a glimpse at finances. Did, did I miss anything? You guys feel free to chime in because you guys are on board with all of this as well. I, I just want to point out, I mean, this the one number that really sticks out on this pie chart to me is the staff personnel expense at 34.4%. Such a low number, and you know, Aubrey was talking about being scrappy. Um, that's that's part of it. In in a normal church, well, normal, I don't know. Um, that number would be in excess of fifty percent. So that that's kind of a big deal, and a um, just kind of the culture here at East Lake. Yep. Great um, building update. Um, because we, we know we anticipate questions about building as well. By the way, you can, again, questions, text SOTC to 97,000 or put it in the chat and we'll be sure to check it on that. Or you can fill it out in your Connect card too and I, I can read those too. Um, we uh, basically are kind of, it's a wait and see for us. We have about three, three and a half years left on our lease. And because of the way that like the pandemic affected uh, commercial industry, we feel like we're more in a position power than we were a year ago in terms of negotiating. So we're just kind of like, now I think we're just kind of wait mode. And uh, we still really like this place and we'll probably do something with it. But we, we kind of put any talks with the owner on hold for now just to see how commercial re real estate shakes out because I think it might be to our benefit to wait a little bit longer. And that, I know that sucks if you own commercial real estate and you're watching this, but that's just the reality that we're in. So <laughs> I can't live your life. I only get to live mine. So you want to comment on that anymore? No, I think, I think uh, you know, that is a question we get every year and we're thinking about it continually. And, you know, we've trusted in, in God's, uh, you know, guidance in that. And, and I think things have worked out pretty good so far. And we don't have a big concern uh, with not retaining the building if we need to. Uh, so I think uh, we just continue down the road we're going down and uh, I think things will be handled well. So. Cool. All right. Um, Uptown Theater, questions about reopening for that. Uh, based on our interpretation of the guidelines, if, this, if we ever get into phase two or when we get into phase two, um, the Uptown Theater can open up to 25%. We'll continue to do smaller events like that and 
get things back on the calendar. We know that that's going to be a, a long runway up because most events plan six, nine months out, not like two weeks out. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll get going again. That's been like the biggest, like kudos to Andrew for kind of figuring things out on that, but that is a tough, tough spot to be in. We continue, we want to continue, or our plan is to continue to operate as a uptown theater. He's actually working on a website uh, right now that's going to be uploaded here in the next week or two or so. Um, it's going to be a refresh on that and a refresh logo. So, all right, let's talk about relaunch plan and uh, fun announcements. The, you mentioned, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, people wanting hope, wanting progress, wanting something different. Um, we have been watching very closely with uh, school districts wise and um, my uh, grade school kiddos went back to school in person full-time, or not full-time, two days a week, but for the full day, two weeks ago. Uh, my middle schooler is going back, I believe it's next week, Aubrey, is that right? In high school the week after that? And the dates so, have changed a couple times. <laughs> okay, well, I, you know, who knows? Whatever it is, there's, there's progress being made in these things, and there's big calls to reopen schools. And, uh, and that's exciting for us as parents, I mean, for sure, but it's also exciting for us in terms of, I feel like it gives us clear guidance. We get a chance to be able to see what are the standard operating pr procedures for school districts, and then be able to implement those um, in some of our different kids' areas. We also have got a, uh, a doctor on, like, uh, she, they live in Spokane, they've moved since the pandemic, but she has been involved in our kids' areas and is providing really awesome guidance for us and what we need to look for and do this, making us even more comfortable uh, being able to address this and go. We, we recognize many of you are watching this from home because um, coming in, like having your kids sit in the auditorium with you is not like ideal. Like we, what we've seen is people come once in person, they bring their kids and they say, we'll never do this again. Call us when the kids' rooms are open. And that's fine. I've got four kids, so I get it, right? Um, and that has been a huge hindrance, uh, in addition to the security, like the safety piece, but just the, the lack of kids' areas. And so, and with that in mind, and school district stuff, uh, we want to announce that on March 28th, so the Sunday prior to Easter Sunday, uh, we are going to be going back to two services, uh, one, but we're changing the time, so this is going to be important. Our service right now has been 10 o'clock. Really, if you were a church in the church industry, if you're going to, the best time to do a service is 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. It's not too late. It's not too early. It's perfect. Uh, we've done 9, 30, and 11 because we want to split those two things up because we are limited in our kids' areas. Um, but for, for moving forward, as we kind of re-engage and see people come, we're going to be doing a 9 o'clock service in the morning and a 10 o'clock the 9 o'clock is going to be on, on March 28th, uh, a service designed for uh, immunocompromised or um, if, you, if, if, um, if safety is uh, like a, a big pressure. You want to come in person, but you're also still like, I just, I need to, you know, I need to make sure everything's, everything's good. Um, it's going to be in here. It's going to be only, at this point, it's going to be uh, the same thing we've been doing at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. So primarily just a talk until worship gets reintroduced and then we'll reintroduce worship. But there will be no kids areas offered at the 9 o'clock hour. Um, so, but we'd love to have you come. It'll be a test run. We're not filming that one. I can say whatever I want, and then I'm filming. We're filming the ten o'clock. That's the ten o'clock is going to be the one that's live streamed. So, if you want me unfiltered, come at nine o'clock, um, and then ten o'clock we're going to be opening up our two different kids areas. Um, so, elementary over on this side, and early childhood on this side. Uh, we're going to ask our kids volunteers to attend the nine o'clock and go serve in the uh, ser attend the nine o'clock, go serve in the ten o'clock. Yeah. Um, we're working on what those what that looks like. So I don't have a defined. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to space the kids out? We're, we have a plan. We'll let you know when that plan comes out. But um, that's the the, the 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 point we're looking forward and going to um, on those things. Um, 
we have no, no direction yet on youth. We have been doing junior high and uh, high school and like our where love space around the corner. We're going to wait and see on, on that one. Just in, that has nothing to do with, uh, uh, that's more to do with just leadership wise. And, and we'll, we'll figure that out. We're, we are, that's on our radar, but for sure, we're trying to do baby steps, bite-sized pieces to get back going, right? So elementary, early childhood, starting March 28th at 9 and 10 o'clock. The Eastlake Online experience is going to continue, um, so you can continue to log on to the live stream and watch it live at 10 o'clock. And uh, yeah. All right. At this point, I think that's it in terms of you know, presented material, and we're running a pretty, it's, it's good time. So um, we're going to open up to our Q&A. So again, feel free to text a question to SOTC. At uh, or sorry, text the word SOTC to 97,000 on your phones. Or if you're watching this from the chat room, you can leave it in the chat. Um, I've got a question right here. Um, said, has the board made it, and this is the first time I'm reading it too, so this, is, this could be dangerous. Has the board made a decision on at what point the kids' full capacity will open? Is it just a wait and see at this point? Um, yes. Okay. So the, I guess the question would be, when is full open, full open, full open? And we just don't know. We know that we want to do March 28th. And I know that that's not full open, guys. Um, I know that that's... And Easter is the next week. And Easter, if you saw on our chart, is the biggest Sunday of our year, um, clearly. Uh, we're not going to do like three service Sundays, so we're going to do the same thing, 9 and 10 o'clock. And, and there's going to be some um, occupancy limits on the kids' rooms. Uh, we don't know what those numbers are yet, but it's going to continue to be RSVP uh, for that area with walk-ins available if there's room, obviously. Um, and if you're wondering, there has been room on Sunday mornings lately. There's definitely room today. Um, but uh, um, yeah, when, when will it go back to 9, 30, 11 with both kids' areas open? I don't know. I mean, you, we'll see, but um, we're just doing what we can. So yeah, any other comments on that? Uh, no comments on that. I think I've got a question that um, some people have been asking me recently about um, leadership and, you know, how do you choose board members? Um, what does it look like to make an effort to diversify the board? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, it's important for all of us to be aware of the fact that as a board, we're making a conscious decision to try to diversify, diversify ethically, uh, gender-wise, in, in age. Um, in order to serve the community um, in a way that, that makes more sense. And the way that we're doing that is we're inviting people uh, to engage with a board member and talk through um, a leadership development course that we're taking some, some different people through. Um, it's through the Center for Sharing in Pasco. And it gives us an opportunity to meet and uh, start to get to know people um, that uh, may look different than I do uh, by age or, or uh, gender or, or ethnicity. And uh, we're really focusing a lot, or have been focusing a lot on that in this, in this year that we've been together most recently. So I don't know if any other board members want to speak to that at all, um, but it, it is something we're, we're talking about. Yep, I love it. I think he just called me old. <laughs> you, you're old. <laughs> Questions uh, two. One of the things that we've had we want to talk about is, when are you going to have something for me in terms of groups-wise? What's the, what's the plan for groups? Uh, when can we do those? Like, why are we not doing those right now? I know some people are meeting and doing some, some things. Um, just legally, we can't advertise for groups bigger than five people. And any group size that's less than five is just, I don't know, it's not, it's awkward. So <laughs> somebody misses or does whatever. So um, we, like I said, Lauren is, is ripping and ready to go as soon as we get the green light to be able to do that. But there's also a pressure point of, um, John, can you speak to this? Just like the idea of that continues to feed a certain sort of mindset about 
what do you have for me right. versus what, what is our goal? What, with, in light of our mission and our vision, how does that, what does that look like? Yeah, our, our goal really looks like um, discipling each other, us, uh, the home teamers, if you will, through, through where love, uh, through base camp and, and looking at how can I go out in the community and serve? We, we feel like as a board that um, there's nothing as a, as, as a board that we've done that was more important the last couple of years than, than trying to help develop where love. Um, and that's where we want people to engage. Understanding that, you know, community and groups and all of those things are going to be an important part of us reconnecting and being healthy emotionally, being healthy spiritually. Um, but we feel like that, that uh, the home teamers, attenders, anybody who wants to have a group that wants to post something on um, the marketplace and start meeting, uh, when that's allowed, certainly we encourage that. We're just not, we're not uh, putting that all together. We're not, we're, there's a framework there. Where we're, we're, where we're putting our energies really in the Wear Love initiative because we want people to realize, um, you know, wearing love really is growing and staying connected to our creator. Yeah, yeah. We want to facilitate the marketplace is designed to be something that it rises or falls based on the participation of those who want it. Um, and then, but we're going to be directing this in way. One of the things I missed uh, or forgot to talk about is in the kids area with the two rooms being opened up, I also wanted to introduce uh, a new uh, person in that area, a new intern that we, we just uh, recently acquired. Uh, her name is Brenna Franti, and she has been attending Eastlake. She attended as a Young Life kid, as a high school kid for a long time, uh, and then took a break for a little bit and has been uh, interested in doing full-time kids ministry at some point. And I said, well, we're not currently hiring for that position, uh, but... Uh, I've got, here's what I can offer you, an internship with lots of opportunity for experience, and she bit at it. So um, she's going to be helping us out So in, the, in these different areas. So you're going to be seeing Brenna if you're a parent uh, of, of some kiddos, and she's awesome and uh, is doing a rebrand for the kids' areas too. Where we've got a new kind of look that we're going with, um, and uh, so you'll be seeing a little bit more of her. Yeah, that's our, that's our new kids' logo. It's going to be on some shirts and every little swag, little mugs, all kind of stuff, but... Um, yeah, some, uh, again, some attention, some focus in that area that is going to be uh, much needed. So, good. Uh, go Brenna, hashtag Kathy. What does the future of baptisms look like? Good question. Uh, yeah, we haven't been able to do baptism or communion. Uh, well, that's not to say that we couldn't bring a tank in and film a baptism. Um, I just feel like both of those things are, the reason that we do them is not to do them. But for the community aspect piece of it, baptism is I'm going to my community of people, my circle, right, my people, and making a statement, an outward statement of this. Now, some could argue, couldn't you do that online and doesn't that make sense? Yeah, but it's such a, like, a unique one-time experience. I feel like the absence of it makes me crave it even more and can't wait for... Um, <laughs> That moment when somebody comes out of the water and, and everybody like cheers for them, that is like, that's baptism, that's support. And if you come out of the water and the camera's on and it's a red light blinking, that doesn't feel like support. <laughs> now you can get somebody afterwards going, that was so awesome, but that's like pseudo community. In the same way that you have friends who do happy hour and that was fun until it started feeling like pseudo community, right? And then you said, I'm not gonna do that anymore because that's not really going out to eat with my friends. Um, so I don't, I don't want to cheapen that experience for them because it's so special. Same thing with communion. I feel like um, it's us. It's a chance for our people to serve you, to participate uh, together. Um, and I know that there's workarounds to that for a lot of churches that they've been able to be able to do. But um, I don't know. I think there's... Imagine like that feeling that you're going to have when you're able to go out 
or maybe you have. You've traveled to Idaho. You went to Coeur d'Alene. I know you did. Anyways, you went to Coeur d'Alene, and you sat down with your friends, and you ate in a restaurant, and you looked around, and you said, this is freaking awesome. And you never said that about that for the first 35 years of your life, because you just always got to do it, right? Um, I think that that's going to be uh, a part of that experience of when we get back to be able to do those things. I'm excited for a communion. I can't wait. I'm doing a series, our, our next series that we're starting next week. Um, really is going to end with like this communion focus week. And I'm just like, I'm thinking, how could we possibly do communion? Because it would just fit. I don't know if it's going to work, but the desire is going to be there, which is great. So, um, yeah, so thanks, Carrie, for that. Um, could you kick off virtual Zoom groups um, larger than five people? Oh, of course. Yeah, Zoom groups could be as big as we wanted. We came through the... Um, we went through the thing of just like the Zoom fatigue like everybody had, and we just felt like um, if somebody wants to lead it and do it, again, that's the part of, that's how the community marketplace works. We'll facilitate it, absolutely. We'll, we'll do the marketing for you and get those people together. And that's one of the things that we are actually considering is we have seen quite a few people move from this area uh, through the pandemic and, and live in, like I said, Seattle, Portland, whatever, and are still connected here and, and have plans to continue to participate um, and how do we facilitate community for them? So if we had a, um, I don't live here, but I want to be a part of a Zoom group that's an East Lake group because I'm watching the talks. I'd love to be able to digest the information and have uh, communication or community with other people who are experiencing the same sort of treatment of Jesus that I'm, I'm doing. That is something that could easily be facilitated. We could do it immediately and could continue on. Um, or other groups like that too, for sure. Um, uh, yeah. So the answer is, yes, we could do some of those things now, and, and maybe we need to direct some attention to that or something. So, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say that's, that's encouraging to hear the question in yeah. that if we have people that are attending Eastlake and they want to start a group, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, we will market it for you. Uh, we believe that, that uh, church has done better in, in uh, circles, not in rows, is, is something that we talk about often. And we think that that community that can be built is great. Uh, but it's going to take your effort, you, you know, to put a Zoom group together. Uh, you know, Lauren talked about how successful the base camp was. I'd encourage you, if you haven't been through that, to go through base camp. Yeah. Uh, to start some kind of a study group through Zoom, or, or maybe it's just a, a support group of some kind. Uh, where we're able to promote groups uh, in the recovery area, we, we've seen some, some success in that, and so we're happy that that's taking place. But, uh, yeah, if you want a group, we encourage you to find somebody that can lead it or lead it yourself, and, and let's get it posted and, and start meeting. Yeah. And do we still have the link on our Marketplace website where somebody could volunteer to lead a group? Um, I'm trying to think. If we, we changed that up for a while because we said we weren't going to do that. But I, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, I'll look at that this week and make sure we get a virtual groups button on there that does that. And then as soon as we can, we'll, we'll do options for more than that. So, yeah, good thought. I got no more questions coming through here. I'm confused on the time because that time is different than this time. So I don't know how long we've been going. It's been a while, we're, we're I think. We're long. Yeah, we're long. So I apologize. Uh, I can blame that clock in the back for that. Um, the last thing that I just want to close it out with um, is that I'm choosing to see this whole season, and really, honestly, as a refining moment. Like, there have been things about our marriage that, like, not being able to go out and escape to other things have made me appreciate unique things about Kylie um, that I, pre I previously didn't. Or, um, again, makes you feel like I'm never going to take uh, going out to dinner with friends for granted again. All of these things that you go, this has been long-term shaping for us. I think that this pandemic is sharpening some vision things for us 
and refine again what is not essential. Let's leave that behind. Let's focus on what's essential. Let's make decisions in that way. And when you do that, I think it actually reinvigorates an excitement about our vision and our passion and where this thing is headed and what we're doing. So yes, I'm excited for March 28th and that reopening, but I'm excited for uh, like a, a, a thought process in my mind of this is, again, why we do this. This is just an example. You strip away all these other things and you go, it doesn't matter. Like my happiness isn't tied up in, in doing like things as normal. It's totally different. And your value system changes and our value system changes and it gets more focused. And uh, that's why I'm excited for what's ahead. So, all right. Thank you so much for watching online. Thanks for being here in person. Uh, we are always available to be able to reach out and, uh, and personally connect with you. If, if you felt like there was something uh, that you didn't want to ask because of you know, whatever, um, or just it comes up on the drive home or you think about it, feel free to email info at eastlaketricities.com. I will direct it to whoever or get you a response. We'll also be in the lobby. We'd love to shake your hand and uh, say hi or catch up uh, with us on March 28th in, in, uh, in person as well.